2: Welcome to Bears Over Beers. I'm Jeff Rookus, a writer for Windy City Gridiron, and I'm joined, as always, by E.J. Snyder. E.J., Season 3, I'm not sure that I can believe it, but here we
1: are. How are you doing tonight? I'm fine. That hardly seems possible. It seems like it was, you know, a couple of months ago that we were like, you know, we should do a podcast And you're like, yeah, we should. And now uh, going on the third year, this seems completely ridiculous, but amazing nonetheless. And yeah, fired up to get it started. Well, We got a great guest to start us off in season three. We have Brad Spielberger
2: from PFF. We're very excited. I missed Brad's first appearance. It was my bye week and EJ brought him on. And I was very upset with EJ because he did not tell me that he was going to have you on this podcast. We are very excited to welcome you back to Bears Over Beers. Welcome, Brad.
0: Well, yeah, thank you for having me on. Uh, glad to be a repeat guest. Multiple seasons, so I guess I have a, you know an extended cameo, as they say in the biz. Thank you guys so much for having me back on. That's great, and we're really excited for this conversation. And honestly... I think the only repeat
2: customer that we've had is Sam Householder of Windy City Grand and the boss man, Lester Wilfong. So you are in rarefied air. Anytime you get mentioned in the same breath as, as Lester, that's a that's a pretty good deal. So we got some beers. I've got a really nice one to kick off season three, so I'm going to let you guys start. Uh, EJ, you want to kick us off? Uh, I'm going to
1: let
0: guest go first
1: because I just have a sad story, not a beer.
0: Oh, that's oh. A, du- a double sad story. So, uh... I just, I just picked this one up at the store. Um, it's, it's kind of a funky one. Where's my camera? You, can you see it? Ah, uh, yeah. It's called Save the Robot. Save the Robot's IPA, um, East Coast Beer. I'm actually not exactly sure where it's from. Uh, it's good, I though. I've assumed the East Coast. Yes, I've assumed the East Coast as well. Like, I'm not seeing. <laughs> Let's see here. Uh...
1: The East Coast of what, though? I mean, we have so well, many. Weird Newport, it's... Newport,
0: Rhode Island. Newport, Rhode Island. That's the official. There you, here we go. Uh, it's a good, you know, hoppy, um, but, you know, kind of one of those juicier kind of, um, you know, like kind of almost citrusy uh, IPAs. I'm enjoying it. New, New England IPA kind of deal.
1: Yeah, it is It is not a Jeff Burkus beer because he is, he is okay. anti, anti-IPA, but that's all right. No, my sad story is I have no beer, and the reason I have no beer is I have plenty of beer in the fridge, but I can't drink any of it because I'm on antibiotics, which sucks. <laughs> so... Um, Instead, I just have some nice fine seltzer here. But uh, yes, I have a nice little infection sitting under one of my teeth. And so I am on a two-week course of antibiotics. And uh, those of you that know, no antibiotics and alcohol, not really a good idea. So no beer for me. What do you got, Jeff? Oh, well, (laughs) that is not what I expected to happen
2: tonight. I have an excellent beer. This is one of my favorites. It is the Canadian Breakfast Stout from Founders. I don't know if you guys are into the Founders Breakfast Stout. Um, obviously, Kentucky Breakfast Stout is uh, very famous. People really like that. I've brought that on the pod before. But this is the Canadian version, which what does that mean? They add maple syrup. Yeah. It is excellent. So you've got chocolate. You've got coffee. And it's it's aged in bourbon barrels, so you got all that going on. It is an excellent, excellent stout. So let's – I'm going to – Get this going here. Start it rem-
1: it reminds me of that uh, Dan Aykroyd skit from SNL way back in the day, the Bassomatic. It seems like the founders folks just put like all the good breakfast stuff in a blender and and hit chop and then strained it and put it in the bottle. They hit on something though. It's
2: an excellent excellent beer. So I'm I'm excited to bring this on. I don't have a Canadian theme with this tonight or anything. I don't know. Most famous. Canadian player that played for the Bears. Israel Donajay, maybe? I don't know. Yeah, so oh, for
1: sure. Let's, uh, cheers cheers to him. Yeah, cheers to Izzy. Great player. Good
2: good pull. All right, so what I wanted to do is I wanted to kick off. We're getting into free agency. The new league year starts here in a couple weeks. And one of the things that I, I want to do as a fan is understand team building. This is how I approach every offseason. I try to see how the different teams around the league are trying to build their team. And one of the things that I think can get confusing is contract, contract structures, salary cap. And there's a lot of terms that are thrown around this time of year. And Brad is an expert at this part of the game. And that's why we brought him on tonight, because he can decode some of these things that EJ and I, we can kind of talk about, but we probably will make some mistakes and trip over ourselves. And so we wanted to run through some things from just definitional conversation and then we're going to get into some specifics about the Bears roster so we'll see how this goes hopefully this first part will act as kind of like an educational part of the episode if you know everything you can skip forward till after the break and and come back and and listen to what how Brad's going to re-sign Allen Robinson and fit that under the cap so let's start off salary cap for 2021 what is it what's it gonna be what are we talking about here
0: yeah so it's looking like it's gonna fall in the range of about 180 million to the 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 ceiling is about 188 million so um, somewhere in that range we actually do not know yet and which is funny because the franchise tag window opened yesterday um, so teams can be giving franchise tags out right now not even knowing what the actual value of those franchise tags are Uh, it actually happened last year as well so yeah so anyway so It's going to fall about 15 to uh, sorry 10 to 15 million from 2020's cap, which was 198.2 million. um, Obviously, as a result of you know COVID and all that, so that's a phenomenon that no one was really expecting, no one was really anticipating, um, and it's going to lead to you know a truly unprecedented off season um, where teams are kind of have to kind of cut down as opposed to building up and and taking up some of that extra cap they're used to you know adding.
2: And one of the things that I think is interesting is, okay, you say it's $180 million, but that is not just the number that you need to think about because every team is eligible to carry over a certain amount of their cap from the previous year. I don't know if there's a limit to that, uh, and some teams barely squeak under. I'm sure the, the Saints carried over $0.38 cents or something like that. But there's a lot of teams that didn't spend their cap last year, and they're able to to bring some of that forward. So the real number for each team is a little different. Can you explain that a little bit and maybe kind of give us an idea of what the Bears are carrying over for next year?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So that is a good point. So there's basically the unadjusted cap, which is the league-wide cap, and then every team has their own adjusted cap number, which includes the previous season carryover. So you're allowed to carry over a full amount up to what you were beneath the previous year's unadjusted. So, let's say a team, you know, in 2020 had 100. You know, the cap was 198.2. Whatever they spent beneath 198.2, they could carry over. So you can't kind of you can't roll over, you know, multiples, right? Like if they're if their 2020 adjusted was 215, they couldn't carry over everything below 215. It always goes back to the unadjusted. But, anyways, you're allowed to carry over, you know, the maximum amount you want. Um, I think the lowest this year was actually the Ravens, only carried over about five hundred thousand or something like that, um, and the Bears carried over about seven, seven and a half million. So their, you know, their adjusted cap number will be whatever it is settled at, and then add. I want to say it's about seven point four million on top of that.
2: Okay, it was kind of like the was it AT and T or Singular uh, Wireless way back in the day where you got to roll over your 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 it's minutes, roll over minutes, right? You know, <laughs> because they're yours, you get to keep them. And anyway, that's a that's an old poll for some of you younger listeners that uh, yeah. didn't have unlimited texting or whatever. All right, <laughs> and we should talk about
1: floor too.
2: Yeah, you have right. to spend a certain amount, which is yeah, basically the Cincinnati just... Bengals rule. No, yeah,
1: basically, it's very so, smart. Brad, what's
0: the floor? Yeah, so it's 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 a very important point to bring up because I think a lot of folks kind of view this i mean obviously the salary cap does kind of suppress wages a bit that's obviously you know the reality situation but the floor is far more important than the ceiling as we see in sports like baseball where teams will spend nothing so it's not a single year floor but basically there's tranches of three years three years and four years in this current cba so the teams starting this year through 2023 have to spend 90 percent of the the cumulative total three-year cap so you know, obviously in a given year, you don't want to go too far below 90% because then you just have to spend for kind of no reason. But yeah, so so over the next three years, they have to spend at least 90% of that three-year total.
2: Yeah, that's it's a great point to bring up, EJ, because I think the Jaguars were kind of in that situation a couple years ago where they were just kind of handing out contracts because they had to spend money and their roster was just kind of a complete mess. So they were just like, you know, kind of kid to candy store they were just going they're to
1: town with breaking the curve is what they were doing because they're offering you know mid-tier linebackers 30 more than anybody else and everybody's like what are you doing paying that guy that much and they're like we have to we have to get rid of the money somehow so it's a it's an interesting mechanic it's not just this is the top and you can't spend more than this it's you got to spend this amount and again if you go too far below that you get into a year where you're basically forced to like you said, to just sort of throw cash at the wall and see what sticks. Yeah, I think that's uh, it, it's, it's all
2: designed to try to keep parity in the league. And so that, that's a good thing overall, I think. So let's get into some of those contract structures. So there's a lot of terms that'll be thrown around. And I think it's important that we're all on the same page. And I think the first place to start is the idea of guaranteed money. And there's different guarantees within a contract. But I think the the term that you hear most is fully guaranteed. And then there's the the base salary. So a guy might sign this like gigantic contract. He might sign like a hundred million dollar contract, but it's only guaranteed for like 10 million. And so the, the guaranteed number is what a lot of people kind of focus in on. So kind of walk us through the difference guarantees and, and what, what are the important things for us to, to know when we hear those numbers.
0: Yeah, so again, a huge part of it, you know, you hear these massive total numbers um and that's frankly just not the reality of the situation um there's a study done a couple years ago basically the average percentage of a contract that actually gets paid out is about 63 percent so you know just if you kind of take that as a ballpark number like guys are not seeing end of these deals so yeah so fully guaranteed money means it's guaranteed for skill cap and injury and what that means is that If you want to release the guy because you don't think he's good enough anymore for skill it's still guaranteed if you do if you say you're doing it for cap reasons so he is still good but you just have to still guaranteed and then injury of course you know injury guarantee the other one is just called injury guarantee where it's exclusively if the guy is hurt but otherwise it's not guaranteed and so you'll see fully guaranteed which is everything and then total guaranteed typically includes that injury guarantee as well and then the last little component is there's also trigger dates for future guarantees where money, you know, let's say you sign a guy this offseason, but in 2022 there will be a trigger date where more money will become guaranteed, but if you cut that guy before then, then it's not actually guaranteed. So that also would fall into into the total number which can also, you know, be deceiving within itself.
2: Yep, I think that makes total sense and like uh, one of the big changes I think in the new CBA, the collective bargaining agreement was that the fifth-year option used to be guaranteed only for injury, and now the fifth-year option when you pick it up on a first-round draft pick is fully guaranteed, correct?
0: Yeah, so, I mean, that, that was the Leonard Floyd situation. So we saw something that's no longer the case, you know, happened just last offseason where his, his contract was guaranteed for injury only, and by releasing him when they did, they were not on the hook for a dime. Now, as soon as you exercise that option, so for 2018 picks this offseason, as soon as they exercise it, it's fully guaranteed. Which is also interesting that the Bears decided to not pick up the Mitchell Trubisky fifth-year option
2: because that was not a fully guaranteed a, uh, option. It was just an injury-guaranteed option. So the Bears not picking up that option last year was actually incredibly meaningful, as EJ and I talked about last year. But one of the new terms, at least new to me, I don't know how long this has been around, but I want to say in the last couple of years, it's kind of come to my attention that some players are signing void years at the end of the deal. And I, I, I hear it a, a few times and I don't really understand it besides just uh, the Saints basically trying to play magician with their cap.
0: Yeah, so uh, to, unfortunately, I think also the reason you've heard it is that it, it's somewhat seen as a bit of a taboo um, concept across the NFL. It's kind of known as like a salary cap like last ditch effort and last resort, the Bears have now kind of entered the fold there, and they have it about about five or six contracts as well. But yes, the Saints and Eagles were kind of the pioneers in that regard. And basically, what all a void year is is it's a dummy contract year, it's a fake contract year, and all you're doing is 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 placeholding prorated money. So bonus money, signing bonus money, you can push it out over the life of the contract up to five years. So if you want to reduce, you know, current year cap hit you can add a couple void years on the end of a contract. So let's say it's really a three year deal, but you want to turn that bonus money, you want to make it as small as possible in 2021, you tack on two more void years and that $20 million bonus, instead of being, you know, three, 6.66 million, it's five, $4 million prorations. So you save yourself additional money. Um, so that's all that is, it's, it's yeah, it is, some people ask me how is that legal? I don't get how that's, you know, that's allowed. Uh, it's, I, it's a fair question. But I, I think what what's probably important to kind of talk about too is
2: when these guys sign, they get the money, right? Like they they get the check. The signing bonus is given to them. So they have it in their bank account. But this is the accounting for how the team pays it on the books, right? It's exactly so it's, it's right. not like they're waiting 5 years. To cash that last check they've already got the money and the money the money in real life has already been changed hands but this is just how we're doing this from an accounting perspective
1: on that almighty cap number yep that's 100 percent right okay that's an important point too because a lot of fans when you get into these discussions start talking about well next year they have to pay him and you're like no <laughs> they don't they already paid him you know, 30% of that, that signing bonus, the day he signed, went in his pocket, and the player's been making interest on that since then, and good for them. Get get paid while you can, players, because none of these, very few of these contracts are fully, fully guaranteed. Uh, you see that in baseball a lot, other sports, basketball. Um, coaching salaries, strangely, are guaranteed. So if you cut a coach who's in a middle of a six-year contract and he's only coached for three... He gets paid for the next three years, but that's not the same for players. So a lot of times you get into it. Everybody's looking at it in a yearly slice, and that's the team accounting, right? That's how the team's paying out that money. That's what their yearly slice is. But the player got that signing bonus money in the beginning. So it's you end up having these discussions about, no, they they don't have to pay him that this year. They already paid him that. Now they just got to figure out how they fit it in this overall envelope,
2: All right, next concept is something that you'll hear potentially of front-loaded contracts or back-loaded contracts. Now, this to me is a really good indicator of what your cap health is. And I think a really good example of a team that was front-loading contracts recently was the 49ers. They were signing guys, giving them a lot of money early, and it allowed them to get out of the contracts if they wanted. Back-loading contracts, again, we go back to the Saints, we go back to the Eagles, and unfortunately I think the Bears have been doing a lot of that as well. But kind of talk about that concept of front-loading and back-loading.
0: Yeah, 100%. So the 49ers is a great example. Um, The most notable one was Jimmy Garoppolo where they gave him a massive roster bonus. And so that's different than a signing bonus, a roster bonus all hits in that one year. Um, And yeah, so they had a lot of cap space. They knew they probably were a couple years away, you know, when they signed him, what, 2016, 2017. So what they did was that it makes it easier now to get out of the contract now. His dead money, which is basically remaining prorated money if he were to get cut, you know, today, is $2.8 million, it's almost nothing because instead of a huge signing bonus, they just had a big roster bonus in the first year, capitalized on that, you know, a lot of space, and, and, and now it's easier on the back end. Um, whereas like with Carson Wentz or Jared Goff, kind of the opposite example, where, you know, Carson Wentz is gonna cost almost $34 million on the Eagles cap this, this season, um, not on the roster. So it's kind of the opposite situation. So backloading is the reverse where you need short-term cap space because you don't have a lot, and you just push as much money down the road as possible, all in bonuses. Drew Brees, another example, is going to cost probably, you know, his total remaining money of prorated money is about $22 million. He's going to retire, but the Saints still have to account for that on their cap as well because they've just continue to push it down the road as far as possible.
2: So, backloading a contract, if you somehow get out of that contract by either cutting or trading, that triggers the word dead money, or the term dead money. So talk about dead money. And then I think that it's important to understand the idea of the dead money that was on the contract in future years accelerating to the current year.
0: Yep. Yep. Basically, because you're allowed to manipulate this accounting tool and create short-term flexibility, you don't just get away with that scot-free and kind of just, you know, you got to pay the credit card bill eventually. And so dead money is basically any remaining guaranteed money so guaranteed prorated money that you still owe to the player on your cap, even after he's no longer on your roster. So Carson Wentz obviously is the big example. And the acceleration point is huge in that Carson Wentz had a signing bonus and an option bonus that were pushed out over the life of the contract. And and each portion was you know, slated to be paid over the next X amount of years remaining. When he gets traded, all of it comes back up to the current year. So instead of it being, again, like I mentioned, that $20 million that we had example before where it was five $4 million, you know, separations, let's say he was two years into that deal and then they traded him. Instead of it being, you know, the three last years had four each, all 12 would come up, you know, into that current year.
2: Yeah, I was having a conversation with somebody on uh, the Bears Twitter last year or two years ago, and they were... Very insistent that it was a really good idea to try to trade Khalil Mack, and I and I said, uh, this is not what you think it is. First of all, don't let's not trade Khalil Mack because he's a really good player uh, and really great teammate and great in the locker room and and everything that you want in a in a face of a franchise. But also the contract that he signs makes it very untenable to want to to move on from that. So the last term, well, I guess I got two more, but. I want to talk about – actually, I wanted to talk about Khalil Mack a little bit because I think that he's a good example of someone who's had some of his salary converted to a signing bonus so that you can spread it out over the life of a contract. And so that is a way that teams are trying to open up near-term cap flexibility for – kind of explain how that happens and particularly how it happens for guys that are sort of those elite players with those big base salary contracts.
0: Yep. So yeah, it's kind of the same example. Um, you know, when you hear someone say that a player restructured their deal, this is 99% of the time what they're talking about. And it's basically, it's happened twice now for Mac already since he signed. Let's say he hypothetically has, you know, a $15 million base salary for 2021. Let's say he has three years left on his deal. They can go ahead and say, all right, we're going to drop this base salary down to the minimum salary. And then we're going to take the remainder we're going to give it to as a bonus again so importantly as ej said he's still getting his cash up front um but then we're going to prorate it over the remaining years of the contract from a cap perspective so it's true to the same you know it's basically a mid-contract signing bonus so to speak but you get the cap flexibility again but again as you mentioned it it again adds to that dead money counter um and that's why max number is you know so astronomically high because yeah, he had a big signing bonus in the beginning, sure, but they've also now converted, you know, salary into a bonus twice for him, um, which just continues to add to that prorated money column.
2: They just kind of keep layering the cake into the future, right? And it just keep you know,
1: keep stacking up. It's like a three-layer cake of dead money now. We talked about Khalil when Brad was here last time because, again, Brad's the guy that I reached you when I get into this with a fan, and a fan says you know the the big one you you put it up the red flag this off season is trade khalil mac and i was like i i finally started putting some numbers together saying okay if you're going to do that you're going to pay khalil mac and the number worked out to something like 20 something million uh you know post june 1st which is a deadline for uh before or after in terms of releases and salary money and i reached out to brad and i was like is this right like if you trade khalil mac is this the number that again accelerates onto your cap this year and he's like yeah so again the bears a very cap tight team this year especially with the cap going down they don't have a ton of extra money and you're saying they're gonna pay whatever it was 20 something million to not have khalil mac on the team yeah <laughs> And fans are like, what do you mean? And you're like, this is what you're saying. If you're saying trade Khalil Mack, it costs this much right now to do it. And the Bears don't have any cap space. So who else are you going to cut? To not have Mack on the team and they're like wait 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 what (laughs) and that's why these conversations are really valuable is because the mechanics of how this all works and what it really means they're just thinking it's like monopoly right i'll just sell my biggest hotel and then i won't i'll get the money right i'll be able to spend that money this year and it's like no you'll actually spend money to sell that hotel to the tune of 20 million bucks and they're like oh Okay, well, maybe Akeem Hicks, and you're like, that's actually a little more tenable. Not much, but yeah. So that's why these discussions are valuable, because you can tell if someone is grounding their argument in reality, whether or not they say to trade Khalil Mack this year. If you're like, "Eh, I don't think so. If you're trading Khalil Mack, you're tearing it down. That's what you're arguing for.
2: Completely. You were saying... You know, fire pace, fire, fire Nagy, and tear it all down, and take a take a gap year, basically, if you will, and and come back stronger in 2022, twenty twenty two, twenty well, twenty two, probably twenty twenty three. I was getting, you know, I was like twenty twenty, twenty twenty three. Really, it's kind of probably for the Bears. Probably needs more than one, but you kind of bridged us into this. But if the Bears are over the cap, which ooh, kind of tease that there a little bit too you're going to have some cap casualties guys that are going to likely be cut for no other reason than trying to get the bears under the cap or free up money to do things that they find more important there's a couple of really obvious cuts that the bears can make but talk about the idea of cap casualties and in the context of this year your prediction of just how crazy this offseason might look
0: yeah, so, you know, like you said, a cap casualty is a guy that you frankly would like to have on the roster still, but just not at the dollar number you have for him. Um, and, and the cap space that you're going to clear up, you just, you know, this offseason you need, so it kind of forces the decision. Um, it, it's going to be rampant this offseason, it is. You know, I, I, I've had, I recently had pushback that it's going to be not as crazy as we're expecting. There's still going to be a lot of them, um, but they do happen kind of every offseason. Um, you know, teams frankly don't like to pay for guys more than they, they think they need to. But there are going to be some tough decisions, no doubt. Um, in Chicago, there's kind of some obvious ones. Uh, I think Buster Screen, Jimmy Graham, and, and potentially Bobby Massey are kind of the three big ones you look at where, you know, all guys produce to some extent. And, and, like, they're not they're not a negative on your roster, but they're not playing up to the level that warrants, you know, paying them as much as they're going to earn. Um, but, yeah, so around the league you're going to see, you know, a handful of good players that you're kind of going to say, this guy's a good, like, I thought this guy was a good player. I thought this guy has been a good player for a long time. Um, you know, why are they getting rid of him? It's not because they don't think he's productive he will likely go ahead and sign with someone else and, and be a productive player again, but you know like one example like Geno Atkins He had a, he had a, definitely had a down year, but he had a decade of very good play You know before that but his cap number is some, I think it's like 15 million dollars and the Bengals save about 12 of that with a cut, you know the, the, it's, it's kind of an easy decision and then, yes, he might sign on elsewhere for you know seven eight million dollars a year but the first year cap it could be you know five million bucks And so, you know, and then he goes on to have a good year, and fans are like, oh, my God, why did we cut this guy? He's still very good. Well, yeah, but he cost that team $10 million less on their cap, and that is a factor, and it's part of the calculation. So I do think you're going to see it across the league, that some tough decisions. um, Some have already happened, you know, in in, in the couple weeks we've had since the Super Bowl. But, yeah, every team's going to have two or three kind of tough decisions in that regard.
2: So what I'd like to do is I'd like to bring you on to our live stream So Stephen Schweikert runs Windy City Gridiron's live stream. And I think it'd be kind of fun if we did a live stream where we use the the over-the-cap tool uh, calculator that I think that you might have actually been part of developing, or I know you used to work for the website. And walk me through it, because i I got to tell you, I've tried it out, and I get to the point where I say extend Kyle Fuller, because believe me, that's what I would love to see. And and it says, well, how much are you going to pay him? And I'm like, I don't know. Give him, give him what he wants. And then it just gets kind of off the rails from there. And so I would like you to help us through some scenarios that uh, would show how the Bears get under their cap. That's the first step. And then how we can maybe run through some things like how do we open up some money for a potential free agent quarterback, or how do we, um, you know, how do we keep Allen Robinson? Is it is it a franchise tag? Is it something longer term? And so I am inviting you onto the Windy City live
0: stream sometime next week to go through the over the cap tool. Something you're interested in? That'd be a ton of fun. I'd be happy to. Um, I, I first and foremost I can take no credit for the cap calculator tool. Shout out to Nick Corte and Jason Fitzgerald at OverTheCap.com. Um, but yeah, it's a fun tool. I, 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 do understand that the kind of that second part where it's okay, I want to extend him, but what am I supposed to give him? I know that, you know, it can be a bit of a challenge, but, uh, I'm, I'm happy to come on and, and we'll do some scenarios, go through some hypotheticals, um, kind of talk through how you structure a contract and how you structure it in a way to obviously clear cap room is what we're, you know, the, the, the conversation's all about. So yeah, I'd be happy to, that'd be a lot of fun. That's awesome. So, all right. So next week, check out Twitter check out Winnie City Gridiron.
2: We'll get it up. It'll be sometime in the middle of the week. We'll do a live stream. We'll get Steven to, to run it for us and, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll bring Brad on and we'll run through some scenarios. So join us and hit us up in the comments and let us know what you want to see in that. So we'll, we'll save that for next week. We'll take a quick break. Uh, and on the other side of this, we're going to run through the free agents that the Bears have coming up and what we think is going to happen with them. Stick with us. All right, guys, we're back. So I want to do this free agency exercise in in a, in a very different way. I want to talk about some individual players. I want to talk about what their likely value is. I know Brad's done a ton of work on this, and it's very fascinating to me. And then I want us to kind of predict what we think the Bears will do, and then I want us to give our opinions on what we would do if we were the general manager of the Bears, and then if they – If we think that the Bears won't resign this player, I want to predict a a destination where this player might land, where do you think he might fit. So let's start with the obvious one, Allen Robinson. You have Allen Robinson as a very high level free agent in a lot of your your free agency guides. Where is he ranked right now for you in terms of potential free agents? And what do you think uh, a good contract value for him is on the open market?
0: Yeah, so frankly, I think um, the only receiver that I could, you know, plausibly put ahead of him uh, is Chris Godwin, and most of that is just because of age. Um, you know, Godwin going to be 24, um, Robinson is 27, going to be 28 relatively soon. So, I mean, look, he, he's a number one, you know, outside wide receiver, uh, and, and I think if he does hit the market, which doesn't seem super likely, um, there's no reason to think he will not top 20 million per year. So, yeah, I, I think with the Bears. Something in the range of four years, about eighty million dollars. So it's you know twenty million per year, with about fifty million of that in total guaranteed. It's a fair contract for both parties. You know, frankly, the Keenan Allen extension before the season really kind of changed the game at wide receiver. I know everyone points to DeAndre Hopkins. Um, you know, his was twenty-seven point two five million in, in, in new money APY, which is you know obviously astronomically high. But Keenan Allen third third deal. 29 years old, also tore his ACL early, early in his career and operates kind of like 40 45% of his snaps in the slot, which traditionally we've kind of viewed as a as a league as kind of less valuable. He's not a true slot receiver, but but you know, more than Robinson, more than Hopkins obviously. So that I think just kind of raised the floor across the board for a lot of guys. So yeah, he's I think he's our third-ranked free agent at any position uh, over at PFF. So he's a premier free agent. Yeah, that's impressive.
2: I mean, if he does leave, it does equate to a, a, a comp pick if the, the Bears stay out of free agency. But he's way more valuable than the comp pick that you're going to receive for him in 2022. Uh, so I, I really hope to see that the Bears uh, keep him. EJ, what do you think that the Bears do here? Do you think they exercise the
1: franchise tag? Or do you think that they can get a deal done? Or yeah, uh, do you think they let him walk? Well, yeah. It's tough because we are obviously an Allen Robinson stand podcast, and with good reason. He is a tremendous player. Uh, We don't take any slander towards Allen Robinson around these parts. And you look at what he produced with, we will call, very uneven quarterbacking, and there's no doubt that he is a tremendous player. So I would love for that reason and many others for him to stay a bear. I don't think that's possible. Now, of course it's possible. You can make the money, but the Bears are in a tough cap position, and they're going to have a lot of other uh, cap considerations to make. We talked about Kyle Fuller needing an extension. Wide receiver is a necessary position in the NFL, and you could argue that. Uh, outside of Allen Robinson, the Bears have one other sure thing at wide receiver, and that's Darnell Mooney. He is an excellent wide receiver. He is not a number one, but he is an excellent wide receiver. And the reality is you need like three really good wide receivers in the modern NFL. If I'm Allen Robinson from the player perspective, I really want to know who my quarterback's going to be. I don't care how much money you want to give me. I'm at the point of my career. Brad talked about it. I'm getting to be 28 years old. I have had... uh let's be nice mostly garbage fires as my quarterback for my entire career i would like to go someplace where a guy can throw me the ball with some kind of regularity because i know i can produce i've produced without that i would like to try and produce with that the bears i think might take the middle ground here and try and tag and trade him because they could franchise tag him then then send him somewhere for a pick and while picks are not a sure thing and alan robinson is the money is the kicker here if you're talking about 20 million apy 50 guaranteed that's a chunk of change in a year where you don't really have that kind of money to throw around and you don't have a quarterback so unless you think you can go cheap on the quarterback which again is not going to make Allen robinson very happy you're going to have to find money in a bunch of other places probably not just one and that makes it tough so uh, I have to. I have to preface this with I spent the last two weeks digging through the wide receiver class for 2021, uh, and it is amazing. <laughs> it is ridiculously deep. Now, is any one of those guys guaranteed to turn out like Allen Robinson? No. It is. You're giving. You're giving away a sure thing, and probably looking to try and pick up two or maybe three to get maybe three quarters of his production, but you'd be doing it at about a fifth the money for the three guys right because there's enough depth in this class especially guys sometimes we lack tall guys that can play outside not the case in this class it's ridiculously deep so if you can tag him get him off the books trade him and get some picks and start reloading that wide receiver core i think that might be the middle ground that they have to take i want to see him on the team I'm not sure how he fits just purely from a money perspective. In every other way he fits perfectly. But from a money perspective, I'm not sure how they get that done and accomplish other things. Well, I'm going to
2: slip into pure Jeff fan mode here because Alan Robinson, friend of the pod, been on the pod, you know, probably our most famous guest. And I have this weird feeling that something's going to get done. I hope so. I, I I hope you're right. I I think that he's got he's putting down roots in Chicago. Like he's his his charitable work in Chicago. I think he want he wanted to be here. It was very clear that he chose Chicago coming out of Jacksonville. I think he just wants to be in Chicago. And I know things haven't been great in terms of the communication between Ryan Pace and him, but I I just I, I think I, I'm gonna again. I got my fan hat on, but I think something gets done. That and and it's certainly what I would do. I would I would keep him around. I would make him the uh, career leader in everything Bears receiving because he just doesn't. He just has to play like two more years, and he's gonna own pretty much every Bears record. And I I think that he's exactly what you want in a wide receiver. One, and we talked about Keenan Allen. He actually made Ke- the Keenan Allen comp himself when when I interviewed him. And I've always thought that he was very similar to Keenan Allen, minus the, the the reps out of the slot. And so I think that's a really good player to bring up. And I think that if you can get creative on the contract structure, you find a way because he's exactly what you want in terms of a leader uh, in that wide receiver core. And he's someone that's reliable. He he's you know he's playing all the, all the games. He's 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 making crazy amount of catches given the inaccurate throws that he's been uh, given as targets. I think you want to do everything you can to make him happy, and I'm just hopeful that they come around to their senses and do that. So let's say that he either gets tagged and traded or hits the open market, which you know I hope doesn't happen. But uh, Brad, do you have any sense of kind of the top players for a guy like Robinson?
0: I think uh, the Washington football team is very interesting. Um, I, I know they made a substantial offer for Amari Cooper last offseason. Um, cause for whatever reason, the Cowboys let him reach the tampering window. Um, and I, so I know they're looking for a true X. Terry McLaurin's a great player, but I think a true, you know, outside X, big body guy to, to compliment with him would just be, would really take his play to the next level. Um, and so I think they're very interesting. Um, and then I think Miami is, is worth keeping an eye on. Um, I've also kind of heard they're, they're interested in Jamar Chase, even potentially at the third overall pick, um, which you know, I, I would be, you know, I, go for it. Cause the, the kid, is an absolute freak. Um, but yeah, those are two teams I think would be interesting okay. and have the resources.
2: All right. Well, let's move on to a guy that God, we just have not talked enough about on this <laughs> podcast. And that is quarterback Mitchell Trubisky. So I called this, my, my feeling was basically when they didn't pick up the fifth year option that Mitchell Trubisky wasn't going to be here in 2021. And I saw nothing that really convinced me otherwise during the season. Even when he won the job out of camp, I was like, eh, "Okay, we'll see." He, obviously, he got the quick hook, and then he came, and then he came uh, back uh, after the, you know Foles was injured and and Trubisky was less injured. Was the conversation? I don't know what happened there at the end of the year. And even with the run against the bad defenses, I I just I didn't see. The idea that they would bring him back so if that's gonna happen let's one of you can say it because I'm not going to but I'm assuming that he's going to be landing somewhere else so what is his value on the open market what is he looking for is he looking for a a place where he can be the unquestioned starter is he competing or is he dropping into a backup role uh, to try to rehab his career behind somebody
0: else, like a Jameis Winston did last year. Yeah, these reclamation project quarterbacks are interesting because it, it frankly, it takes one. Like you saw with Marcus Mariota last offseason. And you know, if I told you guys before that he was going to sign for two years, seventeen point six million in base value with incentives that are, frankly, bonkers, it could have taken. It's like forty million over two years. Um, you know, obviously the Raiders knew he wasn't going to start much, but yeah. So I kind of think the same market's going to develop. I think a team is going to convince themselves that they can turn his career around. By all accounts, you, you can't find a person who doesn't speak extremely highly of him as a person. Um, so yeah, like a two-year, fifteen million dollar deal, where you know the, the vast majority of guarantees are in that first year. So it's kind of a one-year deal, and then a kind of a wait-and-see approach. I, I don't because of the Kind of the the saturation at quarterback on the market this offseason, I I frankly don't think there is a starting job available to him. So I think the only route really is go somewhere, be a backup, um, try to learn from a guy, try to, like you said, you know, recreate your image. And then, yeah, if a guy goes down with injury or otherwise, you know, step up and and try to kind of have a flash of, you know, a couple good games is all it takes. I mean, Teddy Bridgewater had five starts in New Orleans. I mean, went five and zero oh and, and looked solid, um, including a, you know a nice win over the Bears in Chicago that year. So and signed for three years, sixty million. So it doesn't take much, um, but I think it's going to be a small deal. Like that, that might even be high, and he might be looking at like a one year, five million, like more of a Jameis Winston. Where, where do you guys see him landing? I'm kicking that DJ. <laughs> He's,
1: yeah. He, <laughs> Uh, he's got value, uh, in the league because he's got tools and he is an athletic quarterback. We've seen him use his legs and there are a lot of systems, quite frankly, and a lot of coaches who don't view that as, um, a maybe as a variable in their system. They're building their system on rollouts and boots. They need a quarterback that's mobile, not necessarily to pick up big yards with his legs. We're not talking about Lamar or Kyler. We're talking about a guy that has very good running ability, but really is mobile and can get to either side of the pocket and has a big arm, right? When Trubisky unleashes his arm, he's got arm talent. So you get those two things together. You get a lot of starting experience, which is rare in backups. Mitch Trubisky has started more games than almost any backup will have uh, in the NFL, somebody's going to say, hey, that guy is a guy that we can put in as a tool. I look at a place like, I'm not saying it's going to happen because they don't have any money, but the Saints, right? He would fit really well in Sean Payton's offense. Again, not as a starter, but as the backup. I look at a place like San Francisco right there. John Lynch just came out today and said, no, I'm sure Jimmy G is going to be our starter, but we all know, uh, what we can do with that piece of paper before the season actually occurs. Right. And I could see a guy like Shanahan saying, yep, that's a guy I could bring off the bench. Right. He's a little more mobile than a Nick Mullins. He's got a bigger arm. We could do some things with that guy. Now, again, every quarterback coach and every head coach thinks they can save a guy. They all say this, I can fix him right and that's really the thing with trubisky but he has tools he has starting experiences and i'm with brad somebody's going to talk themselves into not a starting gig i really don't think that's going to happen but a like hey we're we're excited to have this guy we got him kind of on the cheap we think this is a steal um and we'll see but uh there's certainly enough folks from the shanahan coaching tree around the league um that like that mobility i mean uh it's not going to happen because they just spent a pick on a quarterback last year but you know if he wasn't there i could see him fitting in Lafleur's offense pretty well right going up north and being with the packers but they've got a jordan love so that's not going to happen <laughs> could you imagine the packer fan reaction of that oh yes i,
2: I can i've got him in <laughs> buffalo i think that he would be interesting to back up uh uh, Mr. Allen up there, and I just I, just I would think be, it'd be kind of an interesting.
1: I'd be fascinated to see what Ken Dorsey specifically could do with Mitch Trubisky because Ken Dorsey worked miracles, and I do mean miracles, like statistical miracles with Josh Allen, him and Brian Dable, and Dable, you know, famously didn't Dable's get it. Yeah, he didn't get a head coaching gig, so he is back, and the Dable Dorsey combination. If if I was Mitch Trubisky and they offered me a one year, two million dollar deal, I would go because i don't really care about the money whatever those guys could teach a guy like josh allen who had many of the same limitations uh again not physical but decision process accuracy those were all the the knocks on allen coming out of wyoming if i'm mitch trubisky i'm looking at that and going look at where josh allen is now give me that juice i'll go yeah yeah, and I think that's a selling point
2: for them if they really wanted to bring him up. The thing that I have a little bit, if I'm if I'm a GM thinking about bringing him in as a backup, I'm looking at how the Bears elevated Tyler Bray so that they could have Tyler Bray on the sidelines holding the clipboard, watching things for, for Nick Foles because they knew they couldn't get that level of value out of Mitchell Trubisky. He's not someone that they can count on to be on the sidelines and picking up stuff that's going to help the starter. And so if you view your if you view your backup quarterback as a if our starter gets hurt, we can come in and we can get 80%. That's one thing. If you view your backup quarterback as this guy is going to help my starter week to week, <clears throat> excuse me, week to week in the room, then that's not a, that's not Shubisky at this point in his career.
1: No, I think if you've got a strong guy, specifically if we're talking about the Buffalo situation, Josh Allen has ascended. He is playing. Yeah, a no, he's there. Level. That's why I, I want him there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He's he's playing at a level where he doesn't need that guy behind him. Last year, right. he did. This year, and and going forward, that's not really something Josh is going to need. So it is a. Question of landing spot and what they think they can get, but uh, yeah, it's interesting. Everybody's going to think they can fix him and again. He's got value because he's got tools, he's got starting experience, and he can bring you a lot as a backup physically. Now, what he can do in terms of leadership and whatever else is really how he meshes with the system where he lands and the coaches. So, we'll have to wait and see on that. It'll be interesting. Uh, I want to move on to another guy that
2: many coaches have seen the greatest athlete ever and wanted to give him all of the carries and all of the targets. And that is Cordero Patterson, who has become a fan favorite. Uh, I love CP. I want to know, is he coming back? Uh, And what is his value? What do you think he would, it would take to bring
0: him back on the bears? Well, he's the GM according to his Twitter account. So he can (laughs) tell you, but, uh, (laughs) but yeah, so the thing with Patterson's interesting. Um, He signed for two years, 10 million the first time, and, you know, they, they clearly thought there was going to be some wide receiver ability cooked into that, um, and they tried it, and it didn't, you know, really work out, and so then they kind of shifted their attention fully to using him as a running back. Obviously still one of the best return men in the game, there's no question about that, but, you know, starting it up there a bit in age, obviously, which, uh, you know, his speed is a huge component of his game. He's also, I mean, he's a, he's a bruiser, too, like, he's, he's a physical specimen, honestly, but, you if he wants to come back to the Bears, I think he would have to take a smaller deal than that two years, 10, uh, 10 million, kind of in the two years seven, eight million range. And I think he could probably do better elsewhere. That there's there's unquestioned value in, in having a guy that can house like two kicks a year, um, give you a couple carries, preferably not third and short carries. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, interesting, very interesting question there. I mean, they obviously you know could use some some help in the wide receiver room. I guess, again, he's kind of a, a running back now for the Bears. But, yeah, very interesting one there. It's kind of all over the place, and I think there's always value in just speed. And so, you know, I don't think the Bears can afford to, to replicate his deal. But I think from his perspective, he would say, well, you know, I, I, I kind of lived up to that contract, so why wouldn't I at least get that again? I'm not that much older, and I, and I clearly haven't slowed down that much. So I'm not, I don't know if I see him back in Chicago, even though he clearly loves it here, too.
2: Yeah, I've I, I mentioned this to EJ before, but the best gunner I have ever seen in Navy, Navy and Orange. Like, I've never seen anyone win instantly off the line and then just be waiting there for the, the, the punt to drop into the punt returner's hands. Like, uh, honestly, it's so much fun to watch. I've never had more fun watching a punt uh, until Cordell Patterson came and played for the Bears because I'm like, oh, I'm, 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 my eyes are glued to what he's going to do and how fast he's going to get down there. But,. EJ, what would you do if you were Ryan Pace here? Because this is a guy that, you know, his value is mostly in the special teams. It's nice to have that kick return solved, which was something that we really you know saw the Bears struggle with for for the first few years of Ryan Pace. But this is an expensive special teams player. Is this someone you're going to bring
1: back? I would take a run at it. Along with what Brad said, you're not going to give him the same level of deal because you, A, can't afford it, and B... Your expectations are a little bit lower. There was that we're going to use him all over the place. We're going to give him carries. We're going to give him targets. We're going to give him, you know, kick returns. We're going to put him on the coverage team. Like we're going to use him everywhere. And and five million bucks for that seems like a real value. Guys playing in, you know, two phases on at least two of your special teams, if not three that's really where he's got his value, and you're he did improve as a running back. I'm glad they moved him out of the wide receiver room, and he started to show some running back instincts because before that, it was just athlete. He was just big and fast, and he didn't have all the things you want your running back to have, vision, balance, little bit of patience. He started to develop those. I remember the first multi-cut run. I saw him rip off, and it was in the second half of last year, and I thought, Oh my god cheat code wait he knows he can do that now (laughs) like and it he showed some development as a running back which is cool but again you don't want him on third and short carry so the the running back value is extremely limited you really just do have to look at this as a great locker room guy and a force on special teams and that's not typically five million bucks a year it's a great value in your roster and that you only have to pay one guy where you might have to pay two and he clearly loves Chicago like he is into it he is into being a bear he is into his teammates he seems well integrated so for that alone i would say hey we'll give you a contract but we're not going to push the money and if somebody else throws a bag of money on the table you got to let him go
2: yeah i'm bringing it back um uh, all right let's move on to <laughs> The safety market in Tayshawn Gibson. I've made this comment before. I feel like the safety opposite Eddie Jackson is like the red shirt in Star Trek, where you know that you're not coming back the next year. We're just going to bring in a new red shirt every year uh, because you spent so much money on Eddie Jackson. You've invested so much. Why overspend for that second safety? I think that's the approach that Ryan Pace has taken. So, the safety market is crazy right now. There are a ton of expected safeties, and that was the case last year, and there are just a lot of really good players. And so I, I Gibson played fine. He's a fine safety, but there are a lot of guys that I think would provide more juice to that back end and maybe a little bit more uh, to, to what the new defense is going to look like. And I think I would rather... Go fishing. I would rather go out and see what I can get. Where are you guys at with with Gibson and his potential return to this team?
0: Yeah, I'm with you. I think he was okay. I agree. I, you know, he didn't. You know, he wasn't like I wouldn't say he was a negative, but I wouldn't say he was a strong positive either. Um, and, and the big piece there, though, is the safety market is absolutely flooded with talent. Not that they're going to go out and sign one of the big names, as you mentioned. You have Eddie Jackson, and so we've kind of seen. The revolving door, um, you know, and I think Ha Ha Clinton Dix. Of course, every player is different, but Ha Ha Clinton Dix looks so good opposite Eddie. Signed for I want to say one year, three point seven five million in Dallas, and didn't even make the roster. So, you know, I, you know Gibson, I think, is kind of in a similar boat where I don't think he's gonna have a huge market. Um, you know, he's in his thirties now. You know, as a DB, I would bring him back if it was for about the same as this year, which is a near minimum contract. Um, but I'm th- I mean, with you that I think you could also just kind of shop around. Um, you know Trey Boston just got cut this year. He is more of a deep third kind of free safety, so maybe not great opposite Eddie. Kind of like a Rayshon Jenkins from the Chargers. Like I, I'm, I'm go, I'm going bargain bin shopping there, just looking for a guy that can still play in the deep half, but is more of a can play down in the box a little bit better. Kind of bring you some some skills opposite Eddie that that kind of has value in other other components. So yeah, we'll we'll see on him. I mean, I guess. Sean Desai, the new defensive coordinator, obviously knows the safety room very well. Um, but I'm with you. I think they probably just just kind of look at, you know, some of the cheap options again.
1: Yeah. DJ, what do you think? I'm not bringing him back. And he played very average for yep. most of the year. He had one good game, um, which was televised at the end of the year, that people got. They were like, oh, he made a play. And I was like, yeah, but you got to look at the other, <laughs> like, 14 games where he didn't. Um, So we have three factors that are playing together here. I guess four, if you want to talk about his level of play wasn't tremendous. We talked about the free agent safety market, and I'll read off some of those names. We talked about Sean Desai, who is a defensive backs coach, has been through three bear administrations, is now the DC, and he is a Fangio uh, Staley, Brandon Staley disciple, right? He worked with both of those guys on the same staff and he's not going to play a single high coverages he is bringing two high coverages so the whole yeah. like eddie high and a guy in the box thing is not going to be the majority of snaps so that's a sort of scheme fit thing and then you got money you've got all these guys who are on the market and i'll read off some of these names and and you'll see that and we just talked about the money being less right it's going to be like musical chairs There are going to be guys left that don't have a chair when the music ends not all these guys are going to get big contracts they can't the money's not there in the league so i would go and try and get a guy that is maybe marginally better for what you want to do in scheme and is available but we're talking about now this is top end justin simmons john johnson and anthony harris and i would put marcus may in there as well marcus williams too you're going five deep those are five of the best safeties in the league who are free agents this year Keanu Neal is a really interesting name coming out of Atlanta because he is a heavier hitter, but he still has range, and I think he can be better than Gibson. Trey Boston, Brad mentioned him. Carl Joseph, who had a stint with the Browns, played okay. Malik Hooker, who is much like Eddie, but has had trouble staying healthy. When he is healthy, he is amazing. Daniel Sorensen from the Chiefs, who is a great second safety, but is probably going to get paid because he had a really high profile Obviously, team goes to the Super Bowl. Eric Harris, Deron Harmon, who Bears fans were beside themselves trying to sign the last time he was a free agent, Dayshawn Gibson, and Jakieski uh, Tart, who a lot of people wanted to draft in Chicago. So all those names are available. They're not all going to get paid, and we know the system's going to be a little bit different. And on top of that, Gibson didn't play. I would say any more than average and in fact if you really dug into the tape he had a lot of games that were kind of below average. I say you go. Plus there's some guys in the draft. Safety's not a strength of this draft, but there are absolutely guys out there that can play. So you might go looking for a third or fourth round safety and and try and hit the Eddie Money again in terms of, you know, you hit the lottery with a with a mid-round safety and even if you don't, you're paying a whole lot less. Um, so I don't think Gibson comes back for that. Like multitude of factors coming together, it just doesn't point to. Hey, let's go throw some money at Tashawn Gibson. <laughs>
2: yeah, I agree, and I, I think that the one thing that the Bears can be attractive to for a potential free agent is like, hey, come on in, start next to these guys that are pretty dang good, and you're gonna look really good, and you might rehab your, uh, you know, you might improve in the next time the market comes up and maybe you don't have so many top safeties in that market, you know, whatever, whatever pitch you have to make, make it. But I think that, Hey, our new DC is a defensive backs coach. (laughs) Yeah. It's not an unattractive spot for, for a safety to land. It is actually a really good spot because you're going to be put in a good position to succeed. And I think that at the end of the day, that's what a lot of these guys are looking for. If they don't get the bag, this year they're looking to how do they get the bag the next year so let's you know play it up all right let's get into front seven guys i just i put them all together because i don't really know how to decipher what the bears are going to do here and so i, I want to talk about roy robertson harris brent urban mario edwards jr barcadius mingo all had various levels of success over the last couple of years with the bears obviously it was last two of the last year I'm just kind of curious what we think about their value. What do you think the Bears do? They're going to bring back at least one of these guys, right? So let's let's start. Brad, can you kind of break down what you think the values of these guys are?
0: Yeah, you know, frankly, the only guy I think that, and of of course he suffered an injury, and so maybe this is no longer the case, but the only guy that I thought was going to have kind of multi-year value and, and probably signed for you know four or five million a year was Roy Robertson Harris. Uh, maybe you know. Honestly, coming into the season, I probably thought even more than that. I think I might be a bigger fan of of his than others. But um, even after the injury, I still think three years, 12 to 15 million. Um, I mean, look, he transferred. He-, he converted from outside linebacker to an interior defender, and is, you know pretty stout against the run. Kind of still needs to kind of take that next step and in- generating pressure on the quarterback. But kind of given his his full you know storyline and all that, you- you'd think that would come along. Um, Urban is kind of a one-dimensional guy. I mean, was it was a phenomenal run defender this year, but really kind of whoa, just whoa, early whoa, down. whoa,
2: whoa. I'm sorry, he stops the run and plays air guitar. That's two dimensions in my book.
0: Very, very good point. I apologize. So I'm <laughs> going to boost the contract up like a million and a half to. For that but just,
2: just like another like 50,000, maybe
1: and his, <laughs> yeah, his you, wife you're, is you're, his wife is a potential guest on Bears Over Beers because I've been trying to get her on. Yeah, I know she's
2: drinking so. beers every weekend. I'm like, hey, come on the pod, and it, she it, has not responded. It could
1: not be more perfect, so we got to give Brent his props, but we'll t- I'll talk about Brent a bit. What do you think? <laughs> Sorry, about I didn't bar, mean right? to cut you off, That's just okay. want to give no. the air
0: guitar some props. No apologies, and you're right, she had the video of the what was that song? The um... What was it? Uh, Fleetwood Mac song that was going viral and she was drinking beers. Yeah, so she would be a great guest. I'll listen to a Kate Urban uh, Beers Over Beers anytime. <laughs> Anyways, uh, and then Mario Edwards, you know, I thought they would probably look to bring him back on a one year deal. He is out the first two games of the season uh, after suffering, you know, or suffering, after, you know, having a suspension, <laughs> after suffering from taking banned supplements. Um, so that kind of, you know, throws a question mark in the operation there. And then I also was really high on Marquevious Mingo. Uh, he kind of exceeded expectations for me. You know, I don't think he's going to come in and, you know, play significant snaps at edge rusher, but he's a solid rotational piece. Um, you know, play about 25, 30% of the snaps and was a good, really good special teamer. Um, so, you know, I I liked him as well. I thought he could maybe come back on a, you know, one year or maybe even two year kind of three to 5 million, which for him would be a big bump from the, you know, the veteran minimum. Um, just because, yeah, he, he kind of, you know, Vaughters is kind of coming along and is a solid player, but I don't know. I thought Mingo kind of stood out uh, in his limited snaps and, and made an impact when he did get on the field.
2: Yeah, he's got that pedigree. And it's interesting, a lot of these guys come in and they, you know, he's like, ah, these guys, really? Percadious Mingo? He's been in like, he's got seven different jerseys hanging at home, right? He's been all around the league. But he looked like... Like, you know, obviously he's got that physical talent, and I thought he flashed a few times, and I was pretty impressed with him. And I, honestly, I'd like to see Urban come back. I think he just brings uh, a good element to the game. He's obviously enjoying himself out there and and, and and played well. I don't know how well he fits with Eddie Goldman coming back. Uh, obviously, he opted out last year. So I don't know if the Bears would prioritize bringing him back or not. But those are the kind of the two guys that stuck out to me. I, you know, I love Roy Robertson-Harris, but I think that he's too expensive. He's too much of a luxury to try to re- re-sign when you have – you, you have Hicks still on the roster, and you've got no money. So I, I find it hard to believe that they'll do that. They'll probably try to replace him. EJ, what would you do? What How would you prioritize bringing these guys back, or are you kind of letting them all test free agency?
1: Mm, I don't think all. I Roy Robertson-Harris, I agree, has the most sort of upside value and has – quite frankly had the most production as well and i would tell him and his agent hey our phone lines are open right go test the market go see what you can get because the injury complicated things san's injury i think you're just patting him on the back and saying hey man thanks we developed you but somebody's gonna drop a bag in your front porch and we can't so we love you but you know have fun the injury, I think, leaves it open. The injury and the overall cap situation in the league allows you to sort of put that bug in his ear and say, hey, man, if you really like Chicago, we really like you. And if you're willing to be creative about how you get it done, give us a call. But look, if somebody blows you away and backs up the Brinks truck, you know, good on you. You, you deserve it. Brent Urban I'm bringing back because he's a value and he played very solidly in his role. He was kind of the anti tayshon Gibson. He didn't have a ton of flash. He made plays every game, but he was solid. He did not give up his gap. He was very effective for the snaps he was in there. And he got paid basically no money. So Urban is a guy that I would say go resign. You need guys like him that are, are glue. They eat up a bunch of downs, and you can count on them to do their role and let the cool max of the world, you know, go hunt uh mario edwards jr played really well when he played and then got hit with ped uh suspension i probably let him test the market again if he doesn't get any interest i'd bring him back uh you know again reduced rate you're gonna get that with a ped suspension but he played and showed i would say equal to or more flashes than mingo and mingo played better than i thought he was a guy like you said when he was signed I wasn't all that excited i was like yeah not really but he came in and they kept his usage low and he made flash plays and you saw the speed and the length which were two things that were big in his profile when he got drafted show up on special teams which i absolutely sort of hadn't factored into the equation not typically where you know starting de's end up playing or edge players but he wasn't a starting edge so they felt plenty good about rolling him out there on special teams and here is a big fast guy that's wrecking things a la cp and i was like okay this guy has value so urban and mingo would be the two that i would be like yep let's see if we can get these guys back again if somebody wants to pay mingo big for what he did last year let him go Roy Robertson-Harris, it's a call-us deal, and if the market's kind of soft or slow to develop, eh, maybe you sneak in and steal him. Edwards, I'd probably let go. Yeah, I think we're on the same
2: page, particularly with those first two guys. All right, the last two guys I have are special teamers, and I wanted to bring these guys up because um, I don't think that we talk about the punter ever, and the kicker we talk about way too much, but... (laughs) Cairo santos had a heck of a year and Cairo santos has been a good kicker in this league before he got injured the bears might have stumbled into a legitimate kicker now he was just signed to a one-year deal he's a free agent pat o'donnell's also a free agent what's their likely value on the free agent market and what do the bears do here brad
0: yeah, so with Pat O'Donnell, I think you, you let him go. Uh, I think unless you're like a top third of the NFL punter, you might as well just sign an undrafted free agent and just take the savings of you know a million bucks or whatever. He was fine. You know, I don't think he was ever bad. He didn't shank anything like the uh, what Townsend for the Chiefs four times in the Super Bowl. But but he's not like a you know he's not like flipping the field on a consistent basis for you. So I think you just have to save money there. And, and I'll be honest, I've been nervous about Cairo Santos for going back to about week nine or 10, because yes, he was excellent this year. He was truly phenomenal. I want to say he was like 30 of 32 on field goals. One of those misses was, oh, you know, 50 plus yards. So, you know, maybe not even expecting him to make it, but it scares me because the thing about these kickers is, I mean, look, Cairo Santos was a street free agent coming into the season. Graham Gano was another guy who was a street free agent coming into the season. The Giants already extended him mid-season for, I think he's the second highest contract for a kicker behind Justin Tucker now. I maybe, I'll maybe i admit that maybe there's some Cody Parkey in my brain, but the way kickers work is they get on a heater, they get on a hot streak, but you never know what's going to happen. His injury issue before, the reason why he was available was a groin, which we've now seen with Eddie Pinero for two years in a row. He can't get healthy, can't fix his groin. So look, I'm not going to die, he was phenomenal. But I think he's asking for near top of the market money at kicker. I think he'd ask for four to four and a half million per year, so that on a four-year deal, that'd be about 17 or 18 million. And again, if this was a normal year where the cap went up 10 10 million, as opposed to going down 10 million, I think the Bears would just say, "Look, we got to do it. We've had so many kicker issues. How nice was it this year, not having to worry about it? And also the adding component of." We saw him do it in Soldier Field. We didn't just see him do it in the NFL, not in the Dome, but in our, you know, bad grass and windy stadium. So I do expect Santos to be back, and I do think they're going to give him a nice little chunk of money. Um, yeah, O'Donnell I think has gone, and they'll just kind of go bargain bin there. What You said, what would you do? I would probably let both go. I know Bears fans don't want to hear that. I know people say, look, we haven't had a kicker for so long. How can you say that? I guess I just have Cody Parking on the brain. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Brad, how can you say that? How can you say that? No, I, yeah, I'm with you that uh, Megapunt, you know, he's fine. He was fine. I'm not giving him any money. He can probably go earn it someplace else. I have no problem whatsoever about going out and getting the next in the long line of um, Australian punters from that one punter school that, you know, gets everybody scholarships in the U.S. and finding a guy that can just bang it, you know, that you're picking up either as a UDFA or with a seven-round pick. That's fine santos is a different deal altogether and it is because of the cody parkies of the world and the pineros and everybody else like it has been so long since i stopped clenching when the bears kicked that i can't remember when and about a third of the way through the year i was like wait i don't have to worry anymore like i just don't have to worry anymore this is weird and i i was sort of the same thing i was like it's gonna fall off he's you know the weather's gonna get bad he's gonna get hurt whatever and he never did he just powered on through the year and made kicks and i didn't worry and for that alone i am paying him i will give him a tom sponsorship right (laughs) whatever it takes to get him back because he was money now top of the market kicker money eh? sure play a little hardball try and get him in maybe top third but if he really Pushes the hammer to the wall, you get him back because Soldier Field is a very notoriously difficult place to kick. He demonstrated, and I didn't have to worry. So, what I'm going to do, I'm, that guy's back in a Bears jersey because he was so damn solid that we stopped talking about it like a third of the way through the year. And that is the mark of a tremendous kicker. Yeah, I think it was like week four.
2: I like asked you on on this podcast. I was like, EJ, did the Bears find a kicker? Kind of,
1: like it was kind of seems really like early did. in the year where I was like, I'm fine with this guy. This guy's great, and he just yeah, I'm bringing it back. back. Yeah, he comes back for that reason alone. I hack. I,
2: I agree with you on O'Donnell because uh, you know why pay a guy um, that's never really been above average? But I, I Michael Dixon, the guy from uh, the the Seahawks, I, I, I he's really really good. And I actually, I want to ask you the question, what would you pay him? What's his contract value if he came up on as a free agent? Not that he's going to, but what would you pay him?
0: Yeah, so it's the last year of his deal. No, I mean, look, he, he'd become the highest paid punter in the NFL, I, I would imagine, um, which right now I, th- I think is uh, the guy down in New Orleans. I'm blanking, I'm blanking on his name. He's been there forever. Uh, but yeah, it's about like, it's like $5 million a year, which is a lot for a punter, but He's a true difference maker, right? Like a Justin Tucker as a kicker, like the guy is is an actual difference maker at the position. Those guys you kind of have to pay. Uh, oh, Thomas Morstead is the guy in, in New Orleans yep. who's been who's been incredible for like a decade. So, yeah, like I, I think he would be looking for about $5 million per year over. They they tend to give those guys long-term deals so they can just push stuff out. There's not a lot of guarantees. But, you know, like five years, $25 million for Dixon, something like that.
2: Yeah, okay. That's what, I, that's what I figured. Yeah, yeah. Morstead and, and Hecker, some of the, the better punters in the league. I, just, I don't know what their salaries are, but I'm thinking that guy's got to reset the market. Because when I did a five questions exchange with, uh, with the Seahawks site last year or whatever, that's all they wanted to talk about was their punter. <laughs> they, they, wanted, they, asked, they actually asked one of their questions to me about how much I knew about their punter. I was like, I okay. like they were obsessed with this guy. You're like, guys, <laughs> so, guys,
1: you're talking <laughs> about a special teamer now. I,
2: I, I mean, I'm all good with that, but you know, punters are great. They're they're people too. But like, too. I, 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 mean, I admit I didn't know about him until the Bears played him, and then I watched. him I was like, oh, oh, now I get it. Like he actually is really good. Like he's a weapon. But this is so, the part where
1: I remind Bears fans that there was a guy named Tress Way, yeah, in Bears camp. And yes, they went, absolutely.
0: um,
1: nah, we're going to stay with Megapunt. <laughs> Tressway's yep. just crushing it for the Washington football team has been better in every measurable than O'Donnell since then and came in at a much lower cost because that was right uh, as they had just resigned O'Donnell to a contract. Um, so, you know, you can go get punters. Now, you don't want a guy to shank four punts in a game. That's incredibly terrible. But there are these guys and... I think they're easier to find than kickers because they're their own holder. Um, it's not as effective. They're not putting the ball in the grass or the turf or whatever else. Um, so it's just a little bit easier, and there's a ton of them, and you don't have to pay for them. You can get them as a UDFA. Uh, you can get two of them as a UDFA, have them have a punter duel if there is such a thing, and then just keep the one that you like better. Got to have a camp leg. Yeah, it's not It's not like kicker. No,
2: and, and... – Unless you're on Kansas City and you, you don't punt, you're going to have a bigger sample size, right? So you are going to shank a few throughout the year, but you have a an actual sample size where you can evaluate a punter. Whereas kickers only have a certain, you know, a small number of field goal attempts, and so if they miss a few, that actually looks really bad. But it's not really enough to really tell it's all significant statistical significance and stuff like that we won't get into that because it's an hour 15 in and no one
1: wants to hear about stats but no nobody wants to hear about punters an hour and 15
2: well punter stats well you know i went to i went to school went to high school with a guy that is iowa state's uh, hall of fame punter like he was their all century punter or whatever so you know i I shag a few punts in my day. Yeah.
1: Punter um, punter love is okay. It's cool.
2: Yeah, you know, punters are people too. So I want to end this free agent conversation and I want to ask Brad because he worked hard on putting together values. And I don't expect the Bears to be very active in the front end of free agency. I think that their free agency is re-signing some of their guys and deciding who they're going to let test the market or or walk altogether. But is there anybody out there that is probably going to hit free agency that you're like, oh, man, that is such an interesting fit with Chicago. I really hope that he comes here.
0: Yeah, so none of these are big names. They're not exciting names, but I, I frankly don't think that the Bears are going to make any splash signings this offseason. Uh, but I think the, the value they could return could be huge. Uh, the first one for me, a big name, uh, not a big name, but a hu- could be a huge addition is Matt Feeler from the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, he played right tackle this past year because he had some injuries, but he's also played at both guard spot the past couple years and he graded very well for us at PFF and I, I happened to throw on some tape and he looked like a good player, knew what he was doing at a position he had not played frankly. And so I think there's a ton of value there. I think you could get him for like two years, 10 million, maybe 12 million, and you could have him as your, as, your, as a backup tackle. you could also throw him at one of the guard spots. I think he just brings a ton of value because you can plug and play him anywhere, um, and they may they may have a few question marks on the line. Um, and then a second one, I think an interesting guy could be tight end Gerald Everett from the Rams. It's not a huge market, it's, or there's not a lot of you know big names at tight end this offseason, so he may get a bigger market than expected. But I don't think it'll be huge. Um, and I think if they do move on from Jimmy Graham, you know he's kind of more of a speed, you know traditional move tight end, so be a good player opposite, you know Cole Kmet. Um, you know, brings different skills to the table. Um, but, again, I think you get him for maybe three years, $15 million. Again, like a $5 million per year deal. And then the last one would just be wide receiver uh, from the Seahawks, David Moore. Um, kind of a speed guy, outside guy, but a deep threat. I think they need to address that spot. You know, I just, I just don't think Javon Williams can be your option at, at that spot again going forward. So, you know, again, not an exciting name, not going to sign a big deal. But just these small additions that I think can have large – you know, value in return um, and I think are more realistic options than maybe the names folks were hoping I would say.
2: No, I think, I mean, that's where I'm at. I think the the win in this off season is to not go out and spend on a big free agent. It's like last year where we were cheering in the first round when pace didn't trade into the first, the back of the first round, right? This, <laughs> this is one of those situations where you're hoping for inaction and and that's because the the cap just quite frankly is not in the Bears' favor. There's other teams that are set up to to handle this, and the Bears are not one of them. EJ, I don't know how much you've been diving into the draft room, and you know we're gonna obviously dedicate a few episodes of Bears Over Beers here to to draft stuff. But any free agents that you've seen that you have kind of got your eye on as potential ads for the Bears?
1: I'm with you. They need to st- they need to stay in the second wave or even the third wave in terms of bargain basement shopping the cap situation overall is gonna make it a very odd year for that but those guys who are in the sort of second and even top of the third tier could make for some really interesting values as role players and we talked about the bears shortage at wide receiver um they definitely you know if they don't resign Allen robinson they're they're staring down needing probably at least two wide receivers um if not three and some guys down the roster uh, i get to see plenty of more um being in the pacific northwest but um it'll be really interesting to see Corey davis's value he's going to be a big name that would be a sort of try and replace robinson for a lot less than robinson but if you go down the list it's keelan cole from jacksonville had a very sort of under the radar productive Mm. year um and then uh damir bird is a free agent with uh new england and he was on the end of some of those cam passes especially early in the season it was really interesting um So there's a couple of guys there that would, again, be third or fourth wide receivers, but you're going to need that. Tight end would be really interesting to get a speed guy, but I think there's about three speed guys that are available, and other than that, it's just throw a draft pick at it. And the other one I think the Bears need to update is running back, and uh, I know Tariq Cohen's coming back, David Montgomery's obviously well-established as his number one, but i I really do think they need to add something in that room but it's it's down the board and there's not a ton of guys so i would i would almost like you said go fishing pick up a couple of udfas and see if they could slot in if not um a guy i've wanted before uh deandre washington uh is more like a tariq cohen uh alternate than a david montgomery alternate uh but any of the big backs that are out there bigger backs um, I just don't, there, there are a lot of guys that bears have talked about before guys like Lamar Miller, who was, you know, in camp and, or on the team and Alfred Morris and, and guys that are, you know, well up there. Alfred Morris is still in the league. Yes. He <laughs> played for the giants this year. They signed him late and he oh played my really well. God. It was crazy, but Tevin Coleman's going to be sort of top of the market guy. Um, and again, that sort of tells you where the top of the market is. There's not a lot of running backs in free agency that I'd sign. So, um, yeah i think i'd probably go fishing for running backs and and probably a speed tight end wide receiver i might dip in if one of those guys really doesn't get um a contract that they like or you can try and lowball him see if he'd come in play a supporting role um yeah alfred morris was on
2: the dallas cowboys during the year that they did the all or nothing uh on the amazon prime show whatever and i'm telling you i mean dak was fine but like there was zero likable guys on that cowboys team outside of alfred morris like i've never watched a a, a season where there's like there's no character to root for here <laughs> except for the backup running back like it was it was so crazy that uh, alfred morris was like my favorite guy on that show so let's talk about the beers and, and let's uh, let's close up here. So, uh, EJ, you are not drinking beer. You are drinking seltzer, so I'm not going to ask for your review of a seltzer. Uh, Brad, how was your IPA?
0: It was good. I also just want to shout out EJ for using a koozie on his seltzer. That's true. Yeah, I, he totally fooled me. Yeah, true dedication to the koozie cause. I respect it. Uh, I'm a fellow k- kooz enthusiast. Um, the, the beer was really good. I, get, I know you don't love your, your IPAs, but I really enjoyed it. Um, that's kind of my favorite type of beer is pale ales or kind of, you know, hoppy, kind of, you know, juicy I- IPAs. So, yeah, Save the Robots uh, from Rhode Island. I-, I would give it, I don't know, US ratings out of 10, I would give it a 7.3, which is high. I'm, I'm a tough grader. That's that's awesome. No, I-, I can do a pale ale, but once it
2: gets above a certain bitterness unit, and, and the bitterness unit is only from hops, uh, I can't do it. If it's balanced with malt, so like in an imperial stout. I'm, I'm okay with higher bitterness units, but it's an imbalance. I'm not a big fan of. I this CBS the uh, Canadian Breakfast out, is phenomenal. The thing is, is that it's 11.3 percent alcohol, <laughs> and so <laughs> um, I'm 80 percent, ninety percent done, and you know, like I can feel it. You know, it's it's a it is a strong beer, so well worth the money because this is not cheap. And it is not easily found. K- Kentucky breakfast stout is really difficult to find. I think Canadian breakfast stout is just as difficult. It's seasonal. It's tough to find. But if you do happen to be in the store when you find it, grab yourself a four-pack or a bomber if you're daring or you have somebody to split it with. And uh, treat yourself because this is fantastic. Or buy it in case, you know, you ever have me over for a beer because I would <laughs> you would make me very happy. So I want to repeat that we are going to get together for a live stream at some point next week we're going to check in with steven schweikert he's going to run it through the windy city gridiron website so you'll be able to make uh, comments on the website or join us on twitch and make comments on the twitch feed we have a ton of fun on the windy city gridiron live stream during the year sunday mornings with sam householder myself and steven schweikert we've had guests on over the years as well a ton of fun to do that we did this last year with a draft run where we did a mock draft with ej and he talked through the the whole first round and then we went through the bears picks we plan on doing that again this year but we want to start off with this free agent tool so please check us out on twitter make sure that you're following up and we'll have a live stream next week and talk a little bit more detail with brad on that so brad thank you so much for coming on and doing this you are – I think you spend 10 hours on Twitter because the volume of tweets that you put out uh, are just – it's like every other tweet so, uh, on my feed sometimes. But you're – tell people where they can find you
0: and what you're working on. Well, I hope my employer doesn't hear that. No. Uh, you know, I, <laughs> I, uh, I kind of have it as like – it's some part of the job to a degree. So I do spend probably too much time on Twitter. But, yeah, you can find me on there uh, at PFF underscore Brad. Um, And I'm talking, you know, salary cap and contracts and anything to do with free agency, you know, the franchise tags I mentioned, Um, and then, of course, we'll kind of transition into, you know, the the draft, of course. Um, So, yeah. um, And, and, and of course, Bears fans. So, you know, some, some of that as well. Um, but yeah, always always try to answer as many questions as possible and and flood JV's feed to to an extreme. I meant it
2: as a compliment.
0: i'm <laughs> I'm not saying you're
2: actually on that much. I'm saying there's such good stuff and it's in volume that you need to be following Brad and he's a must follow if you're a bears fan. So EJ what about you what are you working on man what's going on over at bootleg oh
1: man i am deep in draft prep and have been for several weeks now but um tearing through that class trying to get at least one game of everybody under my belt multiple games at the sort of higher end positions but uh, we'll start draft content up pretty soon on bootleg we have one more sort of regular show which is the bootleg all-star uh or all pro program uh first for us we'll be doing that actually recording that this week um, and after that, we're going to be into both pods and live streams with draft content. We'll have a uh, full run up like we did for you last year there as well. Um, and other than that, popping in on some other podcasts, I did a. a field goals podcast talking about seahawks draft needs with my good buddy brandon over there that puts that together um did some live reports during the draft last year with him and he had me back so that was fantastic strangely jb we ended up talking long enough that he cut it into multiple podcasts can you imagine I can't imagine you going long. No, that's so weird. But, uh, yeah, so keep an eye on Twitter. You can find me at the Draftsman FB, and all the Bears over beers and bootleg stuff will pop up there. JB, what are you doing this offseason? I've got a couple of real cool
2: projects I'm working on. I'm really excited to share them with you. I'm not quite ready to talk specifics yet, but let's just say that there is a, a figure from Bears history that has left an indelible mark that I
1: think you guys are going to really enjoy. Oh, I love it. Teasers. Teasers are so good. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. Well, Brad, thanks for coming back, being a repeat guest. We're going to have some fun next week on the live stream. We appreciate you volunteering to do that as well. If you're not following Brad on Twitter, you should, because he can make sense of all that. I was told there would be no math numbers that come with the salary cap. So. Uh, my resource for that for sure so until then uh, we will see you next week on the live stream but thanks for tuning in and we will talk to you soon